Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden in New York City. And they've just toppled Christopher Columbus. They beheaded him, and now they've knocked the rest of the statue down. Statues across America are being taken down by the Black Lives Matter protesters, who I'm guessing are now intermingled or one and the same with Antifa. If I'm wrong, let me know. I'm at Rich Valdez with an S on Twitter, at Rich Valdez on all social media. I, I'd love to know your thoughts. Is Black Lives Matter the same as Antifa? Uh, I want to think they're not because I do believe that there's so many good people that are sticking up for equality and racial justice and all of those things. And I think those are good things because we always want to work towards a goal of equality. I mean, this is why we fought a civil war. This is why we have laws in place in our constitution to make sure that that's the law of the land for all people. This isn't the 1800s anymore. And thank God for that. But the craziness continues. Last week, a buddy of mine had sent me a text message about the Latin Kings patrolling certain parts of the South side of Chicago because of looting. I didn't talk about it because I didn't know much about it, but it turns out now this week, a week later, I'm seeing articles coming out about it. I heard about it on a couple of different news websites and I'm thinking, wow, it's true what they say about the facts. You know, you hear stuff and the facts have a way of catching up with the media. Sometimes you just got to let it take its course and voila, there they are. And the media tried to portray it just like they did in the last episode of This Is America. I talked about Dominicans having a confrontation with some African-Americans from Inwood on Dykeman Street. And that was how social media portrayed it. And both the African-Americans from Inwood and the Dominicans from Dykeman Street, they said, you know what? That was a lot of hype that was created and they made peace. Well, in much the same way, I think they're doing the same thing with these Latin kings. Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're a gang and whatnot. I get that. But I think when push comes to shove, it doesn't really matter who or what you are or what color you are. When people are in your neighborhood looting, rioting, you're going to do what you have to do to defend your family, especially in a time like this where we're defunding police, right? That's the call that we keep hearing from so many of our least favorite congresspeople. And it's just more racism, racism, racism. That's all we keep hearing. And racism is undercover sometimes. So my question is, is it institutionalized? Is it systemic? Or is it just inherent or ingrained in certain people, not certain systems or institutions? Perhaps it's just something that some people just learned as a part of who they are as a result of their surroundings. Like if you come from a long line of Dixiecrats, Democrats that started the KKK in what was once allegedly called the Confederate States of America, perhaps you have that type of view generations later. I don't know. I don't have that view. I'm a Yankee. 
My heritage goes back to Puerto Rico. My dad's like 10 shades darker than me. Not my world to hate on the black people. Not my world to hate on people that are different than me because I'm from New York and typically in New York, everybody's different than you. It's New York. But what I find interesting is we do get a lot of calls coming in occasionally when there's these types of topics where people want to masquerade their bigotry as some sort of fact. One woman called the show the other day and if her intention was to make a really fast rambling sentence saying that President Obama hired a bunch of new people, I think 50 new people for the Obama Foundation, all of them being Muslims. And it was like that was a punchline, like I was supposed to gasp or something and say, oh, no way. What is wrong with that? I mean, if I open an organization and I, I uh, subscribe to the Christian faith, and let's say I want people that are like-minded and I happen to hire 50 Christians, should we gasp at that? I don't think so. So what difference does it make if he hires 50 Muslims? And moreover, I don't think he hired 50 Muslims. He probably hired 50 black people that they're automatically equating. Why? Because there's already some ingrained, inherent bigotry in their worldview. And it has nothing to do with who they are as part of what institution they represent, like Christians being inherently racist or people from the Upper East Side being inherently racist or people from Midwood section of Brooklyn being racist. No, it's those specific individuals that are making those choices for themselves. And this is part of why I'm always ranting and raving against groupthink and hegemony because we don't belong to everything. We are not one big monolith. And by we, you pick the we, whether it's we Hispanics, we guys that are five foot seven, we guys that work in radio, we whatever. Whatever group you want to try and slice people and dice them up and put them into, they're not exclusively a part of that group. So you're going to have people with differing opinions. And that's why it's my belief that racism is always going to exist because hatred is real. And that bigotry is always going to be there. But it doesn't mean that it's a part of any particular system. So to say that it's systemic, I think, is poorly worded. To say that it's innate, ingrained, maybe. But institutional or systemic, not so much. Another quick example is people calling saying, well, you know, I feel like there's just an all-out war on Western civilization. Now, for many people, they might think, well, if they're saying that there's an all-out war on the West, maybe they're talking about a war on the fact that here in the West, we believe in religious freedom, press freedom, the freedom of speech. Liberty is a, is a center part of what we do here in the West, in particular in the United States. Or that could be tongue-in-cheek saying that there's an all-out attack on Western civilization, meaning what they believe immigration should look like. On the left, they call these dog whistles, but I won't necessarily discount these statements as, as dog whistles because many times people either A, don't know they're being racist and are being racist, or B, intend to be racist and are trying to cloak their words to make it sound like there's something inherently wrong with multiculturalism. Now, I know if you're listening to this, some of you are going, oh boy, oh, I didn't hear that. I didn't expect that. I hear that from you. Listen, America is America. To me, you can be Chinese, you can be Indian, you can be from wherever and embrace the liberty that America offers. If you want to make money in this country, you want to learn the English language. It just makes sense. In much the same way, if you opened up a business in San Diego, close to the border, or in Brownsville, or McAllen, Texas, close to the border, where a lot of people speak Spanish, 
and you want to make money down there, it might be in your best interest to speak some Spanish. If you're an international business person and you do business internationally and you go to China quite often, don't you think it'd be a good idea to learn how to speak Chinese? Call me crazy, but I think you should. Otherwise, you're going to get had. People are going to take advantage of you. You're going to be up in Dejo like a sucker. They're going to get you. So if you don't want to get had, you should probably do your homework. We saw this same thing when the black Israelites or the black Hebrew Israelites, as I think they call themselves, murdered Jews in Jersey City. People all over the city were saying horrible things about Jews because they thought it was okay to say bad things about Jews. Just the way some people think it's okay to say bad things about black people or about Hispanic people or about white people. Now, I get the whole idea that hurt people hurt other people. But that's not a justification for what's going on. That's just an explanation, a hypothesis, if you will. Now, one of the best thinkers in this century is Harvard economist Thomas Sowell, who's done so much work on the disparity and inequality or equality uh, based on race of black Americans versus white Americans or any other Americans. And he's always concluded the same thing, that race had nothing to do with it, but policies did. And the policies in and of themselves are not racist, but policies that lean to the left by lawmakers that embrace left-wing ideology tend to hurt minorities. Sowell teaches that everybody was broke at some point. Generationally, building wealth is an experience. So it's something that you learn along the way. It's education, if you will. Plus, there's formal education that you can benefit from, for sure. But I wouldn't make the mistake of calling it a privilege. And I think this goes beyond semantics. And let me explain. Talking about truly different meanings, for example, let me tell you a story. I was talking to my buddy that works in fire protection, my buddy Chris. He was telling me how sometimes people chastise him for speaking proper English because he doesn't sound like he's from the street. Now, he and I have similar humble beginnings, and his may have been a little bit more humble. He moved down to Union City after sixth grade when I met him, spent some time in Jersey City, which was a little bit rougher. So the people that he met during that part of his journey remembered him a certain way. And I I relate to that because I've been told the same thing. Now, this really fascinates me because why? I don't think it's about not sounding street or what they like to say is sounding white. But it's more so that they're not realizing that this country was started by whites who had the benefit of education early on. So it's not like we can say we're in China where you look to the left and you look to the right and you see other Chinese people. Or let's say Poland, where you look to the left, you look to the right, and you see other Polish people. America's a melting pot. There's all sorts of people here. Native Americans, Europeans from all over. African Americans, Hispanics, etc. So my point is that white privilege is not necessarily a privilege. More so than it's just they've been here longer, so they've done more things, and they've grown more roots. Does that make sense? Anyway, I think Seoul brings up an excellent point. I want to focus on an interview that he did with the uh, Hoover Institution a while back. Check this out. One of the things I discovered in the research for my, for my book I'm currently working on is that leaders of groups that are lagging in countries around the world uh, almost invariably have counterproductive policies for them. And it makes perfect sense because insofar as members of lagging groups assimilate into the values and uh, achievements of the larger society, they don't need those leaders. There's no mystery to me as to why Jesse Jackson says what he does, or Al Sharpton and others, because that benefits them. 
but it does not benefit the people they lead. And all the incentives offer for leaders to lead people uh, into things that, that don't help the people, but help the leaders. And yes, he's 100% right. We don't need those leaders. We're individuals. We can do what we need to do. We know what we need to do. We don't need someone else to tell us exactly how to think, how to believe, and what to do. We can make our own choices. That's the point of individualism. That's the point of America. Keep it locked right there. When we come back, we're going to be getting into a little bit of what these anarchists are. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. We're all about. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. America. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez. And this segment is brought to you by our friends at JustFacts.com. JustFacts, F-A-C-T-S dot com. You need some info? They've got it. Matter of fact, they just put out an excellent article written by economist Dr. Walter Williams. So you don't want to mess that out. Give that a look at JustFacts.com. JustFacts.com slash rich if you want to sign up for your own free newsletter. And speaking of news, I'm looking at a headline that says lawmaker asks if colored population not washing their hands as well as others is behind higher COVID rates. Now, I was like, wow, that's a pretty sensational headline, if you will. So it turns out the guy's a doctor, Senator Steve Huffman, a Republican from Tip City in Ohio. And his quote was, my point is, I understand African-Americans have a higher incidence of chronic conditions and it makes them more susceptible to death from COVID. But why it doesn't make them more susceptible to just get COVID? Could it be that African-Americans or the colored population do not wash their hands as well as other groups or wear a mask or do not socially distance themselves? Could that be the explanation or the higher incidence, he said. Now, given context, it makes a little bit more sense because we've talked about that on this episode because it was all over about three weeks ago that people of color were dying and getting infected at a higher rate, especially here in New York. And I made the case based on data from different organizations, including the American Cancer Society, that black and brown people get cancer at a higher rate and get a lot of other ailments at a higher rate. So I think the question he's asking was legitimate, and I don't think it was ill-spirited. But reading the headline, you would think it's just another white guy from Ohio that wants to say something racist. And I think that, in effect, is really part of the problem that we're facing today. People are always looking, and those people being race hustlers like Sharpton and others, they're always looking to highlight some sort of 
inequity, even if it doesn't exist. They just want to put it out there. And I hate doing all this talk about race. I didn't have that in mind for today, but I find it interesting because having two teenage daughters, they don't want to hear from me a ton. They really don't. And I got an interesting text from my daughter, and it was about the riots and the protests and all the stuff that's going on. And my 18-year-old had deduced that this movement, the BLM Black Lives Matter movement, from her observation, seems like donations are going to crooked Democrats. And I thought to myself, well, I've done well. And she's done well in being able to see things, because it's true. I mean, there, there's there's a video floating around Instagram and Twitter showing that the ActBlue platform and the charity are processing the donations for Black Lives Matter. You see that the Black Lives Matter charity is spending their money on Democrat candidates, particularly Democrat candidates for president. She followed up by telling me that she feels like whenever anything gets big on the news, it's never totally credible. Now, this is coming from an 18-year-old that's in college who is not a regular consumer of the news and could care less about politics. Okay, so I'm her dad and she's heard stuff over the years of what I have to say and my thoughts, but I've never really pushed my stuff onto them. I say, hey, check out my podcast or listen to this or check this out. But it wasn't like we had a regular story time where I read to them from the Constitution. Maybe not beyond kindergarten. In kindergarten, I did read to them from the Constitution, but it ended around there. By first grade, they were on their own. My thought is, if that's my daughter who's able to now legally vote, how many more out there like her? How many more brown people that are like, you know what? I don't want to see any black and brown people die, but enough is enough. You've got 17 people that have died. A bunch of them are people of color. As a result of these riots, people getting killed, people getting shot, maimed, millions stolen by looters, millions in property damage, and serious civil unrest in places like Oregon and Seattle, Washington, where these dudes took over. And what these dudes, I'm talking about Antifa, they took over a police station. Is it me or does that sound a little bit out of control? Hmm. And, you know, one of the questions that comes to mind for me is with this unrest that we see in Washington, where people are saying there's autonomous zones, where the cops have retreated, the National Guard has retreated at the order of the governor, and President Trump tweeting, get out and fix this or I will, period. The issue I have here is, will it help? Will the president, keeping his commitment to uphold the Constitution, and protect all citizens, end up giving the left, the Dems, the never-Trumpers, the rhinos, every last bit of ammunition and video that they need to say that he's a fascist and that he's using his military authority against the will of governors and mayors to go in there and have his way in Washington. Not Washington, D.C., but Washington State. I'm at a loss on this one. I think it could screw him. I really do. I think that this is something that could hurt him in the long run, and he's got to figure out a more political way, a more diplomatic way to get this done. He's got to figure out how to hit him in the pocketbook. That's his strength to get them to play ball. Because it's clear this is an all-out assault on him to make sure that he doesn't win again. To make him look bad every time they get a chance. But one thing Trump's been great at from the beginning is exposing these people for who they are and building a better mousetrap when it comes to making deals. They tried to impeach him, but it didn't work. They spied on his campaign, but they got caught. Now they're trying this angle. 
Not to mention what they did with COVID. The shutdowns that have destroyed our economy. And even then, he's had some pretty decent bounce backs with the economy. And I say he's got them, not we've got them, because it was his rollbacks in policy that helped us to have such a stable economy before COVID, which is why people are able to bounce back. Had this been the 2009 slowdown, we'd be in the biggest depression we've ever seen, in my humble opinion. Keep it locked right there. I'll be right back with my final thought. This is America. All right, America, it's Rich Valdez. I'm back, and it's a rainy day here in New York City. I'm guessing you can tell by the sound of my voice. It's just one of those days where you just feel like, oh, man, turning on MSNBC and taking a snooze. But anyway, what we've been through in the last couple of weeks has been nothing short of a revolution, a political revolution launched by the left. The left is coming at us because they want everybody to hate everybody else. They want blacks against whites, capitalists against communists, you name it. It's a divide and conquer strategy. And it's up to us if we're going to, to borrow a phrase, hold these truths to be self-evident. Are we going to take these things for being the facts that they are and realize that we fought the bloodiest war in our history to keep this country together? We added the phrase one nation under God to the Pledge of Allegiance because it was believed that we needed to, that we are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for who? For all. I've drank that Kool-Aid. I believe that hook, line, and sinker. I don't have a problem with black people. To be honest with you, I don't even have a problem with leftists. I have a problem with leftism. The old saying goes, you hate the sin, you don't hate the sinner. So I think people can be Yankees fans and Met fans, and they could still be friends. I don't think we need to hate our neighbor because they don't have the same political outlook that we do. Call me crazy. I know a lot of people on Twitter wouldn't agree with the statement I'm making. But I believe that to be true. I think that we can disagree agreeably, and I think that we fight to the death for our liberty. Give me liberty or give me death. Live free or die. I believe that those are extreme because liberty is extremely important and it's something worth dying for. So like I said, hate the sin, but don't hate the sinner. And I just want to end with a word of thanks because you guys are such faithful listeners. Even on rainy days like today, we continue to grow and I get the most encouraging tweets and private messages and emails to um, info at therichvaldez.com, which is the email address on the website, richfeldes.com, people say the nicest things. I mean, I would read some of them on the air, but I think, A, they would just bore you to tears and you would think it's just self-aggrandizing and that's not my goal. I don't want to do that. But let me tell you, I do read each and every one of them and they're very uplifting. And every time you retweet this and share this and get new people to subscribe to the podcast, it makes a world of difference. Every time you leave a positive review and one of those gold stars or five of those gold stars and thumbs ups and all of those things that you do makes such an incredible difference. So thank you. Thank you, each and every one of you that listens to the program. Thank you for sharing the program. Thank you for emailing it out to your friends. Thank you for calling in. If you're listening to the live show on WABC radio on Saturdays between five and six, we're live at 5 p.m. right here from 17 floors above Madison Square Garden with the news of the day and everything else that's going on. So I want to thank you for all that. And I want to leave you with the words that I leave you with all the time. From Hamilton, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. So, damn it, stand for something. Don't let them dupe you and don't let them dupe your kids. 
It's time that we get on our game. We bring our A game. And we do our part to save America. And FYI, that's not telling somebody else with a bigger platform what they should do. That's looking in the mirror and deciding what you're going to do. And of course, words of wisdom from Sir Edmund Burke. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So don't just sit there and watch the police station burn and watch the statue crumble. Don't just sit there and allow your children to be indoctrinated in the school that you send them to. Do something. Homeschool them. Supplement their education with the truth. There's a bunch of great free stuff on YouTube. Use it. Learn it and then reteach it. This is a battle for the hearts and minds of Americans. And if you won't do it, who will? Until the next time, hasta la próxima. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. 